Welcome to the Think Bold, Be Bold podcast. Chris and Alan will be sharing unique and raw insight on what it takes to succeed. Both hosts are authors and businessmen and have been mentoring and consulting for their clients for over 50 years with their combined knowledge. So without further ado, we have an exciting show for you today. Let's get started. Hi, it's Christopher Cumbie with Think Bold, Be Bold, and I'm here with my awesome co-host, Alan Witch. Alan, how are you? I'm doing fantastic today, Chris. How about yourself? Well, there was a little bit of – I'm doing really well. Thanks for asking. Uh, there was a little bit of a gap there. Uh, you know, were you, were you busy thinking about something else, reading, uh, reading a good book, or what's going on in Portland right now? Oh, boy, I'll tell you, it's sunny and nice, and uh, I really just want to get outside and uh, smell the weather. Ah, there you go. So you're looking out the window when I asked you a question, and you're lost in the sunshine. I get it. Uh, Listen, it's sunny down here in Florida as well, but I'm turning my back to the sunshine right now because this show today I'm really excited about because it's something, you know, a power uh, and and effect on, you know, the consciousness of the world. And, you know, really when you get into it in a second, and, and, you know, Alan, you always do the unique pleasure of introducing our guest today. But uh, I've had a chance to go and, and, and really read through and understand what our guest does, most importantly, how she has been affecting people that she works with. And she has some extraordinary success stories. In fact, you know, again, when people do a good job, people like to talk about it. And, and, and she's got so many compliments that, um, you know, I'm just excited to talk to her and, you know, just listen today mostly about the things that she's really uh, on the path to make a big difference in this world. And she does have uh, something that is going to affect the world because she's really working on it. And she's affecting those people that then are going out and affecting other people. And it's that ripple effect, uh, Alan. So without further ado, my friend, why don't you introduce our guest? We'll get right into it and uh, we'll start asking and putting her on the hot seat. How about that? Absolutely. We'll get her on the hot seat quick. And this is going to be a real quick introduction. (laughs) And the reason being is, I think in this case, uh, less is more. And what I mean by that is that we don't need a whole lot of time and energy to really be able to uh, introduce this young woman. Only a few words, I think, is going to paint a great picture. And with that said, imagine raising the wealth consciousness on the planet. Understand what that really means. With a give, get philosophy. That means every day in everything that you do with all the people that you meet, using that as your structural platform of how to navigate. What an amazing way to live your day. And that is exactly how Jennifer Longmore lives her day. And so I guess without further ado, Jennifer, welcome to the Think Bold, Be Bold podcast show. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you, Jennifer, and uh, thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to uh, spend some time with us and, you know, on our show, Think Bold, Be Bold, because we certainly think that is a bold statement, and that is a bold way to look at things, and that is going out there and doing what you do. Now, I know you have a past and, you know, things that have happened to you and where you started and, you know, how it led up to what you do today. And I really want to just jump into that because I think it's an interesting story. 
uh, and I know that you're going to directly relate to so many of our audience, um, you know, that may be, uh, you know, thinking the same things, but better yet, where you've gone with it. And, you know, we had a quick chat, you and I, and I was just so impressed uh, from the fact that you took your, I believe you told me, your five-year plan, and you just crushed it in a very <laughs> short period, and, and a very short period of time. And I think that's amazing, and I think that that is something that a lot of people can learn from and want to learn, most importantly. So, again, you know, Jennifer, bring us on that journey where you started. Okay. Gee, where did I start? Uh, Well, I grew up in a household where we were very spiritual, very awake, so to speak, right? I had a a non-conventional upbringing with a very conventional career path trajectory because I was taught that you have to work hard for the sake of working hard, you have to work hard for your money, and you the only legitimate way to make a living on the planet is to have a J-O-B, which I learned once I got a, a real J-O-B that it stands for just over broke. But uh, mm-hmm. I, um, when I was a kid, I used to sit my dolls on pillows on the floor in a circle, and I would lead these circles, and I would truly just be speaking gobbledygook to them, but I loved being a teacher. I just felt like my dolls were so captivated <laughs> with everything I was saying. And uh, I had this moment when I started my business where I was leading a circle, and it was one of those moments, right? We all have them where we're like, oh, my goodness, I was doing this as a kid oh my goodness, everything I was doing as a kid was foreshadowing what I was going to grow into. And uh, Mm. when I was in high school, I was given an opportunity to do a co-op, and I always thought I was going to be a teacher, like a conventional teacher, right? And um, I went and did a co-op in a developmental services classroom, and then I ended up getting into developmental services. And because I was just so busy doing that, it was paying me well to get through high school and to pay for my university, I ended up going into social work, thinking that I was going to end up, you know, working in that particular field. And then when I graduated, uh, the government basically cut all kinds of private programs, and the only, uh, like, industry for me to get into was child welfare, and that was the last one I wanted to get into. All through university, I kept saying, oh, you know, when I get out, I just want to have a nice office. People are going to come and visit me and sit on my couch and tell me that they want to have a better marriage or they want to make the most out of life, and I'm going to give them all kinds of sage advice at the age of 22. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're going to go off and live a delightful life. <laughs> and that was not what happened. I got, you know, I did a lot of training for sure, and I, and I took uh, forensic psychology. So I ended up being a forensic investigator for several years and and going and investigating some pretty serious crimes against children and having to learn how to interview children effectively so that they don't get re-victimized on the stand by getting a, you know, a really solid um, account of events on videotape, learning how to uh, interview perpetrators to, or alleged perpetrators, I should say, to determine whether their story is true or not, writing affidavits, getting, you know, standing in court, being pummeled by defense lawyers and all the rest of it. And I was pretty young when that right. happened. But I um, had a moment where where my adrenals were burning out and I was living on coffee and sugar to give me energy. And we all were, all of us in the office. But I had this moment where I thought, oh, my goodness, I am living for the weekends. And if I have to do this for another 40 years, like how am I going to survive this? I just can't even imagine doing this for another six months, let alone another 40 years. So at that time, all I knew was I wanted to help people doing what I do now and that I wanted every day to feel like a Saturday. 
because that was mm-hmm. the day I was living for. And I know a lot of people listening right now can relate to that either. <laughs> They're currently in that situation or they have been there. And it's not a, it's not a fun way to, to watch life pass you by when you're cramming all of your cleaning and your errands and your social life and, you know, everything about living into two days when you're exhausted and you have Monday morning dread and you think, how many more times can I hit the snooze button on my alarm before I either have to get out of bed or call in sick? So that was my reality at the time, and uh, but I didn't know how to do it, and I finally just had to take the leap and trust that the net would catch me. That was my first real bold move, and um, and I had my five-year plan, as you mentioned, Chris. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I really mm-hmm. didn't think it was doable. I just thought it was a pipe dream. I mean, I worked it for sure, but uh, I thought, oh, this isn't going to happen. I bet you none of this will happen. Maybe Maybe 1% of it will happen, and that was because I was in fear. Fear of failure, fear of, I don't know, success, fear of whatever was going on at that time until my fear got so boring that it actually became just, it became almost like a joke. I remember just feeling like I looked at fear in the eyes thinking, why am I so afraid of you? Like, you're nothing. (laughs) You're illusion. Right. And fear was not moving my dreams forward. So I said, okay, well, what would happen if I just lean into this and treat everything as an adventure? You know, just live in the question of what if and how can I? And uh, that's when my my five-year plan manifested completely in three months. And (laughs) then what? (laughs) What happens after that? Yeah, right. right. (laughs) Now what do you do? Now what do you do for the rest of the, uh, let's call it 57 months? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Keep going. This is fantastic. Well, I wish, you know, one of my, I won't say regrets, I don't like to live with regrets, but I wished I had um, invested in a mentor at that time because I was literally just figuring it out and failing forward, as you probably heard that, that saying. So I just kept, I had to just keep the train moving, so to speak, and um, mm-hmm. figure it out. And I just had to test, well, what's working, what's not working. But I wish that I had have known and have the insight to create yet another five-year plan, right? <laughs> because uh, <laughs> I, I really didn't have a game plan after that. I kind of just coasted for about another year going, okay, you know, I just kept hosting well, classes and seeing people You had an extremely successful inverted success curve that most people will never experience. Yeah. Uh, well, now I know that, but at the time I just, uh, I didn't even know what to make of it. <laughs> Yeah, I love a point you you brought up, and and um, I certainly want to hear more about um, this because it's 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 fascinating. But you said fear became really boring. Mm-hmm. You know, I I love that because it it puts it in perspective that it's like okay, you get up, it's the same thing. Oh man. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're here again. You know, and you and I talked about that before. You're here again, so okay. Um, mm-hmm. I I love that. Let Let's go on that for a second because I think that that is just a fascinating way to really look at it. But then, you know, let's continue after that when 
when and, and we'll go back so I'm going to remind you where you were but I do want to go deep on that just for a second um, mm-hmm. because you wish you had a mentor you wish you had a mentor so we'll go back to that in a second but just go a little bit deep on the um, you know became boring for you share mm-hmm. with the audience what that really what that meant you know what did the day look like and better yet what really shifted when you said you know what I don't want you here anymore like it's just you're too boring you're 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 a downer for me and I just got to keep <laughs> I just got to keep going, you know, the way I, you know, I, I see my life. So I, I love that, yeah. by the way. Thank you. Well, I, I can absolutely give you the play-by-play because it's still so vivid to me and um, quite hilarious because now, of course, I coach my clients around taking bold action and, and all the things that I wasn't doing at that time. And I basically wake up and I'd go into the kitchen and make some breakfast and my cats would jump on the couch and snuggle with me while I was eating. And they would then get to lick the milk out of my cereal bowl. <laughs> and then I would saunter over to my desk and open my computer and be excited that there was emails. Yay, that one business card that I put up in a health food store that's supposed to drive an abundance of clients to my front door to knock and say, we would love to work with you, Jennifer. Uh, obviously worked because look at all these emails in my inbox. And I would open them and they were all like, you know, typical spam back in the day, like, you know, how to make more, you know, would you want to make $500 extra a month? I was um, getting solicited by a financial advisor company, which is kind of a, a prelude to what I'm doing now, right? But I was, I right. would get all excited and then I'd get instantly deflated. You know, like, <laughs> nobody <laughs> loves me, everybody hates me, you know, that kind of feeling. And sure. I would just... Every time, every 30 minutes, I'd check my email. Maybe there's a new client in there now. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I just want to do this work so badly. And uh, I, I did actually get some clients from that one business card that was up in a health food store. Um, but really, you know, I, I realized, like, I, this, first of all, is not financially sustainable. I'm either going to have to just let, get it going or go and get a job. And I definitely know I don't want another job. So... Uh, but I, I had the fears that most people had. I knew I needed to go to networking events, but what if nobody likes me? What if I don't know what to say? What if, what if, what if? Uh, I knew I needed to go out and do speaking gigs. Well, what if nobody shows up? What if too many people show up? What if someone asks me a question I can't answer? I mean, these are all things that go through our heads uh, when we're starting a business and we have to market our business in a certain way. So I just took those fears and looked at them and said, okay, well, what if the opposite were true? What Ah. if people are going to just be happy to be there? What if, in fact, I know at least one or two more things about the topic than they do? What if, you know, uh, this is even better than I could have hoped for or imagined? So since that time, I've learned to always focus on the and better. You know, I get clear on what I want, but I always sort of hand it over to a higher power, so to speak, and say, okay, but, you know, feel free to delight me with the end better. And I always am, because whenever we're manifesting, I'm sure everyone can relate, uh, it never shows up the way we expect. Even though we may love how something shows up, it just never uh, manifests the way our human brain tries to construct it, because we don't have the capacity to have all the insight that, you know, that our future self, I guess you could say, knows. And um, so I, I just decided to have fun with it, and I turned everything into an adventure. So I, so I showed up in that energy, in an energy of awe and wonder and adventure to everything I did, every networking event, every speaking gig, every one-on-one conversation that I had, uh, any anyone I approached to see if I could teach at their location. And um, 
I learned very quickly that that's a very magnetic energy to be in. People want to hang out with people that sound like they're having a good time, that seem to be uh, in a place of wonder and fascination and, and openness. And uh, so people would just gravitate towards me. And even people at networking events, like we don't go to networking events to get clients, so to speak. And if people are, that's not really the way to go about it, by the way. <laughs> but um, I would go just to build relationships and build partnerships. But it ended up that a lot of the people in that room wanted to hire me to help them get out of their own way, right, so that they could take their business to the next level. And right. in all likelihood, right. they probably just liked being in that energy because they needed it modeled for them so that they could try it on themselves. So uh, I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> yeah, no, it did, and it was perfect. And we are going to go back to your to to the mentor piece in, in one second. But you said something really interesting that uh, you know when I look at and and you actually brought it up already when you were a child and you had some foresight. You know, maybe it was for foresight to to your future and, and the things that you do now. Um, but the awe and wonder, you know, that's really cool because I bring my little boys as as. Um, you know, I often talk about on this show, you know, my little 11-month-old and, and my two-and-a-half-year-old, even my nine-year-old, they just look at everything with so much wonder. You know, they really do. And my 11-month-old, I observe him a lot because I learn from my kids tremendously because I think in, in a lot of ways we all wish we can go back in time and rewrite what we know now and kind of live life again. But, you know, I get to live it through my children, and I follow, and I watch my little 11-month-old, and I bring him anywhere, and he has that face of awe and wonder. So I just wanted to touch on that for a second because, you know, I got the chill, and it, and it was that feeling when I, you know, look at things myself now, and I try to put myself in that awe and wonder that he is. You know, he's looking at stuff like, wow, this is so new and so cool, and oh, my goodness, like, I can't believe I'm here right now. This is, you know, and he's just really, his head is turning around. He's looking at people. Um, he's looking at things, and he's really trying to, you know, bring it all in, and, and I really love that. So thanks for sharing that. That was that was powerful. Alan, I know you have a question, but let's just go back to the mentor piece very quickly because we do want to finish up that part of it for when, you know, Jennifer you said you wish you had a mentor at that point for uh -huh. the next, you know, sort of phase that you you, you drifted for that one year, um, let's call it, um, uh -huh. you know, once you hit your goals and, and, you know, what else is next type of thing. So let's uh -huh. carry on from there if you don't mind. And, Alan, I know you've got a, a question after this. Yeah, well, um, I, I didn't even hire a business mentor until about year five in my business. I've been doing this for 15 years now. It didn't occur to me. <laughs> I don't know. I really wish I could explain why it didn't seem, <laughs> you know, wasn't on my radar. I was certainly taking all kinds of courses to, to add to my toolkit, right, as far as my services that I was offering. But it didn't occur to me to have someone come in and take a look at my business and provide feedback around where the flow was and where it was time to let things go and where it was time to either expand certain things or to invite new things in. So um, I finally hit a, a brick wall, so to speak, about year five, <clears throat> well, probably a little bit before then. I just, my business model wasn't working for me anymore. I was burning out, not unlike when I was in forensics. I, ha I was starting to get that similar feeling and I knew that it wasn't going to be sustainable. I couldn't just keep doing one-off sessions and having people contact me when they needed me 
because what I was doing unknowingly was I was creating a needy culture in my business. People would say, well, when should I come back and see you? And I didn't want to be salesy. I didn't want to be pushy. I didn't want to bother people. I didn't want all these, you know, certain things. So rather than looking at what I did want, I would just say, well, you know, call me when you need me. (laughs) And Mm. if you hear that statement, you realize, yeah, of course you're only getting people reaching out when they need you. And that wasn't actually... Um, the vibe that I wanted to work in anymore. So I, I had maybe 50% of my clients would call me and they'd wait until things were a hot mess and then they wanted an appointment yesterday. And then I had other, you know, the other 50% of my clients who I loved working with who kept coming even though they didn't have any major crises going on. So I really had some insight that I needed to restructure my business model to uh, allow people to, to step up and really invest in themselves, and I eliminated any one-off sessions. People had to invest in packages, or they just didn't get to work with me directly. They could work, take a course, they could, you know, do all kinds of things, but they didn't get uh, my time. Because I started to really value my time differently at that point. I was really just done exchanging time for dollars. So that was a massive paradigm shift for me. And that's when I started on my journey of exploring how can I make my money work for me instead of always working for my money. And huge, right, considering where I came from. I mean, even now, I still kind of pinch myself and go, because I'm I'm now doing so many other new things that are all money-related. And to think that I came from a working-class family and had to hustle to put myself through school and, you know, had a public service job that I was making just barely enough to get by, to now be in a place where I have a ton of time and financial freedom, it's pretty cool. Well, and you made a decision too, Jennifer, and you said it, that you're going to work with folks that have an ongoing, not only an affinity to uh, work with you, but an affinity to really become better at uh, what it is that they were trying to accomplish or to let go of things that they knew were causing doubt and frustration. And I think that's a, that's a big commitment and a big aha moment that uh, a lot of coaches and consultants don't reach uh, probably as nearly as, as quickly as they should is to, you know, make that commitment to work with those that are committed. We get so, you know, in the in the beginning years of our of our consultancies, we, you know, we we're happy to that, that anybody walks in our front door. And I uh-huh. think there's some, you know, experience that can be learned from that, but in order to really make a difference and to impact a larger contingent of people, it's going to have a large contingent on individual people and you made that decision uh, to do that, and, you know, you, you, you said earlier that, that things never quite manifest, you know, the way that you plan, and I think that's probably very true with a lot of people, but what was the one aha moment, the one, or what, what was the, the thought that made that light switch in your head go from, I'm really not going to work with people on a one-off, I'm only going to work with them on, you know, a, a, a series, what one criteria did they have to fulfill? in order for you to accept them as a long-term client? They needed to demonstrate to me that they were willing to invest in themselves, A, and B, that they were investing in themselves because they wanted to do something bigger with their life and be a contribution to the planet. Perfect. So do you use that then as a recruiting tool, as, as part of your fodder when you're talking to people that they must fulfill or find that they can fall into this category before you work with them? Is that an outwardly uh, part of your recruiting process? 
Um, well, in all honesty, I don't really coach anymore. If I do coach, it's because someone's approached me. And I, um, you know, I kind of look at their circumstances, and they're usually coming to me and saying why they want to work with me. And then from there, I decide because I'm so used to having my time freedom now that it has to really – I'm sure you guys already know this and probably a lot of you listening that it's not that it's about the money, it's about impact. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, we only have so much time. It's our only non-renewable resource. So if we're going to use it, we we need to be ensuring that the ripple effect effect is much bigger than simply working, you know, with 10 one-on-one clients and then, you know, kind of refilling that roster again. So, sure. People just kind of, I think, know that <laughs> at this point about me that I'm I'm only going to take them on if they're really <laughs> not because I put it out there, but people just kind of start an email that way, right? So, uh, but I, I definitely like most people in business. I I deliver a ton of free content and I offer a lot of group programs and so on. So there are there is a home for everyone, and it's just really a matter of where people are at. And that was a bold move for me to make, by the way, because I was so used to being in service to folks, and and I really do love one-on-one work with people. So to let that go and follow what my inner guidance was saying was was really significant because it would have been easy to stay in that, and I still liked it, right? But it wasn't uh, it wasn't dazzling me the way that it used to. Right. Right. Well, There's something I inside you for that decision, for sure. Yeah. So your website, Jennifer, is souljourneys.ca. I love it, and um, yep. just the soul journeys in general. And you've written some books. Let's get into your mm-hmm. books, and I know you have some <laughs> great courses. I know you have some great courses, <laughs> and uh, definitely, I want to talk about some of the courses. And really ask the question, uh, you know, what Akashic records are Mm -hmm. and something we can come back to and and, and you can help fill in that gap. Because there's something, you know, funny that happened to me through my life. And I want to, you know, sort of stage it so that, again, you know, for those listening out there in the audience, and and hopefully everybody's brought their journals and pen. Because, Alan, I don't know about you, but I've got a, a few pages of notes so far uh, of really empowering things that, you know, have been able, thank you, Jennifer, for providing, been able uh, to give me some insight to the things that I, I want to think about. And, you know, I'm a big fan of, you know, you're here for a reason. You know, we all need mm-hmm. to hear these things for a reason. And um, you're certainly providing uh, some great insight for me. Um, we're going to get into your book, but, you know, I want to stage the um, – or your books, I should say, in your courses. But I want to stage a couple of things. A few years ago, quite a few years ago, probably at the age as, um, you know, I was coming out of my, or going into my late 30s, you know, I just, I, I, I looked in the mirror and I saw something else that, you know, wasn't, um, it wasn't, it was always there, I think, and, and of course it was, but all of a sudden I saw something different. And, I saw someone looking at me while I was looking at the mirror, at the image of myself. And it gave me this, you know, complete overwhelming that I had to go out there and and, and make a difference and make that change. And maybe, uh, you you know, um, for you guys on on the call, you know, in this discussion right now, that has happened to you. But it certainly happened to me. And, you know, I know that 
um, talking to others, they've had that same sort of feeling. Um, getting into sort of soul journey and, and, and what you're about and what you're offering and these courses and so forth and so on. You know, is, is, that, a, is that a real thing from your perspective, um, Jennifer? Is which part a real thing? Just, just, just like, you know, seeing something else, like you know someone, someone's looking at you in the mirror, you know, maybe you're not fulfilling the things you really want, you're having that self-talk, mm. you know, oh, yeah, that, that, sure. other, that, that other self that, you know, keeps telling you like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm waiting for you to do something, you know, and I'll support you and I'll help you and I'll bring all the other things that you need, but you just got to make that decision. That's a real thing. Yeah, for sure, because, uh, well, most people know what their purpose is, and I've been doing this for a really long time. I've done over 30,000 sessions in the Akashic Records, which is basically one of the most powerful or one of the most common questions, I should say, is what's your purpose? And I learned that when I answer that, most people go, yeah, I kind of knew that. I kind of felt that in my bones, but it's never about knowing their purpose. What I learned, and one of the reasons why I created all the money programs that I did, is because I learned that... It was never about the purpose. It was always about getting out of their own way to give themselves permission to live it. Um, we all know that, I mean, at the end of the day, every human wants to know that they're loved, accepted, and respected. And we all want to know that everything's okay, that we're okay, and that we matter. Every single one of us goes through that. So we do want to have a sense that our life is bigger than just us. We do want to know what's the whole point of this. Why, would I, why was I sent here? Like, what's my contribution? The reality is most of us know. You know, we may not be able to put it into words, but when someone else gives us insight into that, I would say 99% of people say, yeah, I've always kind of felt that way, or yeah, that makes sense. But then they'll continue to come back to me and say, what's my purpose? <laughs> and that's not really what they mean. I've learned over the years that there's a question behind the question, which is how can I give myself permission to live this? How can I get out of my own way? How can I stop making it about the money? For most people, it's the money, right? I'd love to do this, but I don't have the money. For some, it's I don't have the time, I don't have the energy. And it, there's a lot of complex issues around it, for sure, but ultimately, those are kind of the three main things that I'll hear from folks. So I was compelled to start creating these courses, right, to, to give people the solution, only to find out that some people don't really want the solution <laughs> because they're getting something. It's not a good thing or a bad thing. It just is. They're getting something out of staying where they are rather than moving beyond that. We, we buy into the illusion that it's safer to look at, you know, the 10 doors of opportunity that are in front of us, and we study the doors, and we admire them. Oh, look at door number two. Look at that beautiful gold or neat handle on that one. It's so pretty. Oh, look at door number seven. It's red. It makes me feel fiery, right? We just stare at these doors of opportunity forever, never opening one of the door handles and walking through. Because we have FOMO, we're afraid, okay, well, if I go through door number one, then what about the nine other doors? What am I missing in those nine other doors? We don't realize that we're going to be given the same growth opportunities through each door. They're just going to present themselves slightly different. That's a good point. Very good point. So at some the point, people either open the door or they just stay in inertia and stand in the admiration of the possibilities. But that eventually gets either boring, like we've talked about, or it gets really uncomfortable. And at that point, people may, if they choose to, allow the discomfort to finally force them to do something different. Right. And you have four books, Quantum Leap for the 
Yeah, great points, great points. And I love just uh, for everybody listening, uh, FOMO, fear of missing out. Um, for those that uh, don't know the no. acronym, but um, <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. Um, again, just uh, clarifying and making sure that people understand that. And uh, great analogy. Thank you for uh, you know outlining that because that was very clear. You know, Quantum Leap for the Soul is a book that you wrote. It, it looks mm-hmm. like and, and clarify me, clarify for me. Sorry, uh, that this was your first book. I believe so. I kind of pumped out a whole bunch at one time. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. So, and then you've got Quantum Leap for the Soul, accessing super consciousness, which is super cool. Yeah. And uh, I can't get wait. I can't wait to get my hands on that one. So, uh, I've already got them highlighted in Amazon. Um, Eighty-eight Universal Laws, uh, which is mm-hmm. really cool, and I and I think that that's a, a unique uh, title. Um, and very intriguing. And then you've got one that I think um, a lot of people can relate to called Heal Your Money Story. Can we yeah. dive in on that just really quickly? And then I want to get mm-hmm. into um, your courses um, that you offer up on. Uh, again, we just slightly touched on on the Akashic Records and things like that. And, and I think I want you to definitely clear that up uh, in terms of what that means for you know our audience. Um, yeah. And you do have uh, um, a, a course in here, Heal Your Money Story, which is uh, a digital uh, program as well. So why don't we start with the book, um, Heal Your Money Story? Uh, yes, that's a popular one for sure, and those pop, uh, programs are always popular. And that initially was from a one-time course that I offered because so many people were telling me about their money pain either my coaching clients at the time that I was coaching in business, I saw people getting involved in all the busy work and they were convinced that even if they watched 12 hours straight of cute cat YouTube videos, that as long as they were in front of their computer checking their email, that they were going to make a ton of money in their business. (laughs) Uh, Or just really struggling to allow money in or charge enough, things like that. And then I had all the folks that I was working on with sole purpose that were saying, I'd love to live my purpose, but I don't have the money. So mm. I I looked for the silver lining. I said, okay, well, what are people really, they're, they're telling me this, but really behind this, they're asking me a question. What are they asking me? And they're really asking me, how can I stop making it about money and just live my life? How can I heal my money blocks so that I can get out there and do the things that I know I want to do so I don't get to the end of my life and have a ton of regrets about all the things that I could have, would have, should have if I, you know, stopped letting fear run the show. So uh, I thought it was just going to be this one-time offering, and I would get back to business, right? I'd just get back to doing what I was doing. (laughs) And then I learned after the first part of that three-part series that people were already emailing saying, when's the next 2.0? When's the certification program? And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I didn't have any of that planned. Uh, so I knew there was something to it, and, and I realized I needed to just keep creating these different programs. So uh, I eventually wrote a book. and Well, I turned a lot of that content and um, organized it so that I could turn it into a book and make it accessible for people, right, making it a, an affordable ebook. I think you can buy it in physical copy now. But a lot of people, you know, we – some of us do want to stop what we're doing if we can just understand why we're doing it. So I, t- I dissect, okay, well, where is your money pain coming from? Where do you fall in? Like, what, what's your category? And then give really powerful tools around how to move beyond that. 
so that people can finally get results, right? And a ton of people do get that because uh, especially women, we're very emotional in relationships and money is a relationship. So when we can uh, extract all of the projections we're placing onto it and just see money as neutral energy and see it as something that can actually make a difference, then it doesn't become public enemy number one. It becomes an ally and um, a relationship that we can be in partnership with for the rest of our life. Mm. That's pretty cool. Like it. Absolutely. <laughs> Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Right? Fear, <laughs> monkey mind. <laughs> Banish the monkeys. <laughs> I do want you to clarify Akashic Records and what that means, you know, for our audience, for us, and, you know, again, just uh, give us some insight. Well, it's something that's highlighted in various religious texts, but it's basically an etheric document, a cosmic document, a soul blueprint, basically, for every thought, deed, word, and action that you've ever had, whether it be in this lifetime or any other space and time. And it holds all kinds of things, like what is my purpose in this particular lifetime? Why did I choose the parents that I chose? Like what am I here to learn from them? What am I here to contribute to them? What am I here to master? What am I here, you know, what what are my gifts and, and how can I share those with the world? Uh, if we have any particular fears that hold us back, we can find out where those fears come from and how to shift them. And we can also, like I use the Akashic Records for business, and I just taught a class on it because business trends are always changing, but when you are wanting to create a business that's in alignment with your soul's purpose and be an extension of that, right? Your business is really just in a container uh, to give shape to your gifts and, and kind of give it form as you're putting it into the world then we want to make sure we're in alignment. And we can get a lot of great downloads uh, through our Akashic Records on programs to offer, how to price them, who to market them to. And additionally, when we're in the energy of our Akashic Records, we're aligning to our soul, right? We're reconnecting with those frequencies. So when we're vibrating at the frequency we're meant to, right, well, that's when we attract things. So we actually become very magnetic when we work in the records. Hence the reason why I was able to manifest my five-year plan in three months, which I didn't realize at the time, right? But once I really just got aligned, then I was vibrating at the same frequency of those things I wanted to call to myself, which is the same mm -hmm. today. And also really strongly relates with money because $1,000 a month is going to vibrate differently. If we actually were to measure the frequency of it, it would vibrate very differently than, say, $10,000 a month. So in order for me to easily allow in $10,000 a month, then I have to be shifting something within myself to be able to be a better match to call in that which I'm wishing to call in. Love that. Yeah. Money is just a frequency well at whatever level. Yeah, yep. it's well said. And, and that vibration to match what you really want, you've got to get yourself there. And, and, that, and that's brilliant. Thank you for uh, clearing that up. Alan, take us away. <laughs> yeah, I... Great, great, uh, great content, Jennifer. And you, and you said something that um, is very matter of fact, and I like that. I, I like that about you, and I like that about your confidence and the fact that you're talking about the vibration in the universe and how energy is stored and how it's uh, given out to the to the environment around us. And uh, I, you know, every everything moves with the vibration. Even a, this steel knife that we have at our dinner table is vibrating to very high frequency and. And I think the average person probably doesn't, if they don't know that, they don't understand what that really means until they fluff it off. 
Well, we have the ability to really change that, and like you said, to be able to really harness that. And those are not necessarily concepts that are taught in school, not necessarily concepts that are mm-hmm. taught. And I was never taught that in business. It never became, you know, uh, you know, a high frequency vibration 101 was never part of the courses that I took, or even in, you know, even in business, that was never, you know, something that uh, was on the the plate. But uh, you talk about it very confidently, and so I guess the question is a long, long way to get around to this question. But is there one person that uh, that you've experienced in your life that really solidified those concepts in you? Well, uh, I had a lot of very influential people in my life. I think probably the most influential person for me when I was in my late teens and realizing I had all these intuitive gifts, I didn't know what to do with them, and I was angry. Right? I was angry at the universe or God or whatever you want to call that energy because like, I'm clearly knowing things that are freaking people out, and I really tried my best to fit in, and I couldn't. So I thought, okay, well, I'll just lean into this because resisting these gifts is it's not making them go away. Me pretending that they're not here <laughs> is not making them go away. So my mom gave me Louise Hay's book, You Can Heal Your Life. And I got a lot out of the book for sure, but what I got even more of was, oh, my goodness, here's a woman that's woo-woo like me. And I just had this instant knowingness that one day I'm going to be published by her. I've since shifted that because uh, I just have some – let's say there's just some different energy alignments now than were there before (laughs) when I read the book. But um, I just thought, wow, like she's a model of what's possible uh, for folks like me that are are on the fringe and are wanting to do this work but, you know, don't know how to package it, basically. That was my first real sort of significant outside of my family person. Oprah, of course, I don't know too many people that wouldn't say Oprah had a big impact at that time. Oprah was doing a lot of self-help stuff. So that was really cool because I was getting introduced to a lot of really amazing authors that shifted my mindset. And I'm sure I don't have to tell you guys and a lot of folks listening right now that so much of what we do in life is really more about our mindset. The actual implementation of things is easy breezy when your mind is in alignment with what you're wanting to bring in. Yeah, very well said. I think that, uh, yeah, that's a, um, uh, a a very eloquent way of saying something that may take people months or even years to really understand. And I like the way that you uh, uh, package that. Uh, very simple and very easy. And, you know, for everybody listening out there, it's not necessarily something that you just accept. It's something that you that I and Jennifer, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it's something that you live through, something that you experience, and it's something that you can ingest in and then apply to every aspect of your being, who you are, what you do, your mission, your purpose, and the uh, influence you have within the circles of influence that you operate in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's really our journey of unconsciously creating because we're always creating we're often creating what we don't want because we're not managing our thoughts we're not managing our energy when we start on the journey of really evolving into consciously creating what we want then we start to experience different results because we're mindful of what we're putting out there and um, also reverse engineering things right if we start putting something out in the world that we realize we don't want so it is just a way of being right if there's no destination it's a journey right yeah, I want to I hang on that real quick, Chris, and hope if I'm not stepping on your toes real quick, but I, 
I, I, I want to um, dive a little bit deeper into that. We're talking about being in control of our own thoughts and, and uh, what those really mean and how, the kind of effect that has on the environment around us. And, and I guess with that said, um, I had a, a mentor ask this of me many years ago, and so I'm pretty conscious of it all the time. He says, are you the author of most of your thoughts? And so I guess I'll pose mm-hmm. that question to you as well. <laughs> I would say no. Uh, most of our thoughts are actually, um, uh, I guess you could say, manifestations of patterns that we've taken on from other people. Because when we come out mm-hmm. of the womb, we're not thinking, oh, do I look fat in this diaper? Or, uh, you know, I can't wait to have my next drink. Or, oh, I'm a loser. <laughs> Those kind of things that our brain, you know, does to us. It's There are things we pick up on definitely in the womb. And def- there's a ton of research to show that fetuses really do pick up energy in the womb and take that on. And then we learn a lot from what we observe around us. We're really good as, at children as filling in, at filling in the blanks. So when something's going wrong, we're really good at, at making the assumption that it's our fault. And um, we don't really have any other frame of reference. So we take our cues from what's being modeled around us and what we're observing as far as what's being said and done. We can very easily detect hypocrisies between what's being said and done. And we just kind of do what we know, right? We adopt patterns that we don't even know we have, right? Just like the money stuff I told you about earlier, like, oh, well, my parents worked hard, mm-hmm. so therefore I have to work hard. And um, and then we play those out. And it's not until we get to a place in our life where it's not working for us that we decide to uncover, okay, well, where is this pattern from? I definitely agree that we we have to be stewards for our thoughts and we want to be mindful of the thoughts we're holding and, and let them go. One of the cool things about being in awe and wonder and adventure, which we talked about before, is that we can't stay in judgment. We can't stay in the blame-shame-judgment game and be in awe, wonder, and adventure at the same time. Right. True. Good, good point. Mm-hmm. And it's the judgment... Advice. And the guilt and the shame that are, are, you know, heavier frequencies, right? They weigh us down and they're based on illusion because we were created in love, right? We're created to be extensions of the creative life force energy. So anything that isn't love is automatically illusion. So it's our job basically to clear the illusions that cause us to have the thoughts that are not supportive towards our divine plan. Right. So to, to, to deep dive real quickly on that, uh, for the listeners out there that may be asking this question, how do we clear out those thoughts? What's the best way to do that in your recommendation? Well, I would I would say the Akashic Records <laughs> because I'm a little biased. <laughs> I, I make a bold statement that the Akashic Records are the only tool of transformation you'll ever need, and I put that on Facebook, so therefore it's official. Uh, <laughs> but there's a lot. There's a lot of great tools out there. There's... Um, you know, really anything that changes your frequency. Reiki is really good for people. There's tapping, emotional freedom technique. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, brainwave technology you can get. Um, I wish I could think of her name. Her name, Well, her name is Kelly Howell, H-O-W-E-L-L. I can't think of the name of her business right now, but if you Google her, she does brainwave technology, so you can download MP3 recordings, and they work with um, different frequencies and some subliminal programming, right, to train your brain, because our our consciousness, our subconscious thoughts are held in our theta brain waves, and incidentally, mm-hmm. the Akashic Records also vibrate within that theta state, 
and our theta state, that's where we program our brain or we, sorry, uncover any beliefs that are in the brain. Now, there's a lot of great beliefs in there, but the unconscious mind will always prove itself right. So the quicker we can align our unconscious mind to hold the thoughts and really anchor those thoughts to hold what we want to be creating, then we experience different realities in our outer world. Again, going back to the point of we're, we're always unconsciously creating. Our goal, again, is to be more conscious about our creations. So what that does anyways is it anchors into our mind, uh, you know, the beliefs that we want to hold. So there are different technologies out there. Anyways, but the biggest um, thing to do is just, you know, really simple things like start the day writing out intentions. When you wake up, express gratitude for the day. You have another day to, you know, express your gifts and receive and be a contribution and all of that stuff and ask the question, how am I going to be a contribution today? And how am I going to allow in more today? Whatever that means, right? It doesn't have to be more money. It just may be more joy, more abundance, more peace, whatever it is for you. And then spend 30 seconds thinking of, of the intentions you want to have for your day and really just take a deep breath, let yourselves vibrate to that intention and, um, you know, watch the day unfold. And uh, if we really want to be mindful of our thoughts, we can also ask questions of ourselves, right? Like what would a person that's generating seven figures do in this situation? Or what would a person that's running a successful business do in this situation? Or what would a spiritual leader do in this situation? And that way it forces the brain to think differently because we're not thinking from our present self, we're thinking from where we want to be. That is awesome. Perfect. And this is great information and uh, I want to make a point that I heard. So, you know, W-E-I-G-H-T, the weight we have um, from the things that have gone on and, and you know, that we package it um, really translates into waiting, W-A-I-T, for things to show up. So, you know, thanks for clarifying that and, and, and really just that whole per, um, perspective on, you know, asking good questions. It was music to my ears when you said, you know, write the things down because that's what I tell, you know, everybody that I work with is to get yourself a journal. Come to this show with a journal because you're going to get the golden nuggets just like Jennifer uh, provided us. Now, we're going to go through something, uh, a bit of a, you know, rapid question. Uh, we call it Bowl Insight, uh, Jennifer, and uh, we'd love to be able to talk to you, and I think we can learn so much from you. So you've got events, and you've got all kinds of things happening, and, and, and obviously courses and books. So definitely, audience, go to souljourneys.ca. Check out Jennifer. Follow her on Facebook, Twitter. She's got some great insight. She continues to contribute and give great things. She's got a, a $247 program, Soul Acceleration System, uh, for you free. Just go to her website. Sign up for that. Now, quickly, Jennifer, I'm going to put you on the spot. What's your favorite book? <laughs> well, I would say The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Awesome. We heard about your mentors, uh, people yeah. that influenced you. Uh, what is your favorite quote from who? Am I allowed to say two? Absolutely. No, only one. Your most favorite. Jeez. <laughs> oh, I can't remember so, who said it, but um, when you're interested, you do what's convenient. When you're committed, you do what it takes. Love it. Oh, cool. Love that. Yes, it's very good. And, and again, will you come back? And this is not a – well, I guess it is a question, but will you come back sometime this year with us? <laughs> will you have me back? 
Absolutely. See what I let's did there? On. I answered a question with a question. <laughs> I love it. And, and, and let's bring that point up for, uh, yeah, no, and, and you made a very interesting uh, point uh, just speaking about questions. Um, and I loved it, and I actually highlighted it in my book here, is there's there's always a question behind the question. And, and, and I think that was just a, a brilliant golden nugget. And it allowed me to think about the things that I ask questions for. So thank you for that. Um, we obviously would love to keep you all day. And, you know, there's so much we can learn from you. But, you know, like everything, um, you know, including this show, it must come to an end. <laughs> and um, we do like to leave our guests uh, and, or better yet, our audience with a one bold move, something you can leave them with to ponder, think about, something that we could, you know, get them out of their seat right now and really go after and be bold as we talked about mm. lots in this show and go after the things that they want. What would that be? Mm-hmm. Oh, so much. Uh, the first thing I would do is get into that headspace of being in awe and wonder before you go and send an email or make a phone call to someone you've been wanting to reach out to for quite some time or sending in your letter of resignation or whatever it is that you know you've been needing to do for a while that you've been too afraid to do and you're letting fear run the show. The cool thing about fear is that fear and excitement or nervousness, I should say, and excitement feel relatively the same in the body. So oftentimes we misinterpret fear of excitement. So what if the things you think you're afraid of are actually things that excite you? Right, so get into that vibe first. And then the second thing I would say is, uh, because I've done this myself and it works, I've I've gone hot air balloon riding and crashed, by the way. <laughs> Live to tell wow. about it. I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that to everyone. I've walked on fire. I've broken arrows in my neck. I've done things. I'm not someone that yeah. needs to be dramatic, but one of the things I learned from a billionaire that was my mentor was that any of her very, very high-level clients that she worked with, she forced them to do something really, really out of their comfort zone so that when they moved through the other side of fear, really anything was possible definitely that day, let alone at least for a week or a month, right? So the more we train Mm -hmm. ourselves to take risks and things that don't really seem to matter, um, that just ripples out into everything else we do. I love it. I love it. Just train ourselves. I'm just writing um, real do, quick, though. Yeah, right, and so am I, and, and, and just so much to absorb. And, and <laughs> So when are we all going skydiving together? I know, right? I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I, uh, I, I definitely, um, something that's on my bucket list to uh, to actually do and uh, and just take the leap, right? Whatever happens after that, it'll be uh, the universe's way of letting me know what's next. So, <laughs> um, Jennifer, you're, you're, you're just a pleasure. Thank you so much. I've learned Thank a ton you. today from you. And I know our, you know, our audience is really going to enjoy, uh, you know, listening more from you. Uh, and I really encourage everybody to go to souljourneys.ca and, 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 and connect with Jennifer because she's got a lot to share. She can help you with the things that, um, you know, you are looking for in your life that you know. And now we do know that you already know what you want. And that's the beauty is that, you know, you just need a few little tools to get yourself going. And, and certainly we hope that we brought enough today for that to happen. And, um, again, pick up her books. Go to uh, check out her courses. She's got events. She's got so much to offer. Jennifer, you are just a fantastic person to talk to, for one. And uh, we 
hope to do more with you and uh, obviously get back, back on the show. So thank you for being here today. Uh, thank Alan, you. I would love why don't that. You say, that would be perfect. Alan, why don't you uh, say a couple of things and, and then we'll take the, uh, the show away. Sure. Appreciate that. Thanks, Chris. Um, Jennifer, yeah, you've, you've got a really unique uh, look on life, and I, I don't mean anything uh, odd by that. It's just that you've got a clarity that uh, I think a lot of people will benefit from. And you, you talked about it in the, in the beginning, you know, your focus of raising wealth and consciousness on the planet. And I want to kind of stick Chris and my neck out a little bit in, in a favorable way with you and, and ask if you would, um, you know, consider being part of a product or a service. Maybe it's a movie. Maybe it's a program. Something that we can do together to really have impact on these rising billions of people that are coming on the social media platforms and really give them a great foundation in what's possible as opposed to try to trying to navigate struggles. And a lot of them don't have the uh, typical struggles that uh, most people are common with. They're coming on uh, without without very little bias, but with lots of opportunity. And I think there's an opportunity for us there to really put a great foot forward and offer them uh, some amazing content and tools to give them a, uh, a big leap in giving back intellectual property and value to this larger contingent of people on the planet. Would you be willing to engage in something like that with us? Absolutely. That would be amazing. I would love to. Well, you well heard we're going to hold you to that. When you heard it. <laughs> <laughs> now, you may edit this part yeah. out. That I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah, That's exactly. We're going to edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we sure appreciate having you on the show and your honesty and your transparency. And the transparency is, is a big piece of business. It didn't used to be, but I hope it's a, a, a big characteristic that uh, everybody uses in their daily life. And uh, there's nothing better than dropping your pants, so to speak, and, and showing people what's really real. Because it be because it cuts through the fluff, right? You know, and people get to see yeah. the real you and they want to associate there. And if there's I think it's also a service though, right? Because so many people think that when they look at people that are in the flow in their business, they think that they're overnight successes. They don't see the ten years and the ten thousand hours leading right. up to that. So to know right. that not everything, in fact, many things about business are not easy, yet very rewarding, uh, it allows people to um, just have a better perspective on what to expect when they step into it as well. Very much so. Very much so. Very well said. So I guess with that, uh, great summation. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank, <laughs> yeah, you. thank you. Thank you. You did a great thank job at it. <laughs> so thank you thank so you, much. Thank you, audience. Right. And thank you, Alan. Thank you, audience, for tuning in today. And thank you for bringing the comments and, and, and questions forward at iTunes. Really appreciate everything. And Jennifer, thank you. Alan, always a pleasure. It wouldn't be a show without me saying, do something nice for someone today. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.